Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Children, your line is dragging. Mm. Children, your line is dragging. Mm. Children, your line is dragging. Pick up the slack and hew to the line. Are you ready? Hey guys, come on, bring it in. Clap your hands now. Hi, I'm Gregory Porter. Welcome to The Hang. Watch what happens when the people catch wind of the water hit the, the podcast dedicated to hanging out. Liquid spirit. Each episode, I sit down with friends, idols, inspirations of mine to shoot the breeze about life, music, love, anything and everything that makes its way back to art. We've come here and we found ourselves in London in the 60s. These are our stories. You know, that generation got their shit together. And I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, one of the best musical actors in the world. Welcome to The Hang, Giles Torreira. In your role, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. As I look at you, I see Sammy's chin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. People say that. People do say that. I do have both of my eyes, though, so that's the end. <laughs> and so here is The Hang. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated with watching the little clips, how the, the British actor and British singer can with, with uh, such quickness, lose that lifelong accent and come into <laughs> an American way of speaking or anybody. I mean, this is, this is, this is, the, this is your craft. Yeah. And yes, you, you should do it. But I'm always fascinated when it, when it happens. You were in Hamilton. Yeah. And when I hear you doing your thing, it's, you know, the, the British accent is not, yeah. Not noticeable. Yeah. I think that we, like we just, if you've got a half decent ear, you just, even people who aren't performers or actors, if you're on a train or whatever, you can listen to, if someone's talking about a TV show they saw last night, most yeah. people can do a pretty, pretty half decent American accent because we're used to hearing it so much. Yeah. When I do my... my okay, let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> and we'll see, there's, there's several. <laughs> there's, there's the older movies, which, yeah. which have these, you know, just bizarre... British accents, yeah, you yeah. know, like like the um, like the uh, the child catcher, chitty chitty yeah, bang bang. Yes, yeah. I smell bang. children. You know, that's a that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just when you think there's nobody like that, there'll be an old man who works at a bookstore who comes out and, and he's got a that. long face and he's like, "How can I help you?" <laughs> you know, it's like. Wow, there really are people like that. Yeah, it's there's still something. a few of them around. <laughs> I guess it's kind of just somewhere in there. There's always just, you know, that's true. That's true. I don't, maybe even just productions that were, mm. that were put on. I think, of, I don't feel like I remember some Oliver Twist or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. six pence and three shillings. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is pences and shillings? <laughs> that's pretty good. But I used to love to say it. I used to love, yeah. I love the way that it, uh, 
the way that the way that it sounded. But that's yeah, that's that's it's it's so cool that uh, you know. And also, I think that maybe there's just hearing you talk about it. There's something about if you look at American way of speaking. If I'm on a tube here in London, I can always hear the American like at the end of the carriage <laughs> because I think it's because Americans have a very you all are taught to express yourself. Yes. This is what I think. This is how I feel. So it isn't necessarily to do with volume. It's to do with the directness of the communication. Whereas yeah. in England, we're sort of very self-deprecating and sort of uh, mumble, uh, I'm terribly sorry. And, uh, and it's all sort of apologetic. Whereas in America, it's totally not apologetic. Thank you so much, Giles Torreira, for joining us here at Cafe Royale, a little kind of a kind of a private bar sweet. that uh, they have here. This is the Ziggy Stardust room, I would say. Um, and it's an amazing place. And we're sitting here enjoying a little gin and tonic. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you for coming. Mm. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We're just going to have a conversation about the roots of artistic and musical uh, expression. Where does it come from? Mm. Funny thing happened to me. Some of the things we do come from way back. Sometimes something we have nothing to do with but yeah. being born. Yeah. It was in an interview. The interviewer just asked me, where did you get your singing voice? I never even, it sounds ridiculous, and I never considered it. It was about five years ago. And I never could even considered it. And um, I was just was thinking, yeah, you know, I had, my life growing up in church and my mother sometimes encouraging, sometimes making me sing, my brothers and sisters in the environment of music that I grew up in. Mm. But, but she put it more in a uh, genetic kind of a way. And I was like, wow, my goodness. I'd have to say my father. I never heard my father sing except for about a two-minute clip of him singing on a tape my sister had found so I'd never heard him sing mm. live but at his funeral people were talking about well, your your daddy mm. boy he sure could sing mm. and he you know mm. he loved to drag them words mm. out and you know yeah he, your daddy was always coming up with some poetry yes he was always coming up and with a way he had a way with words yeah your daddy had a way with words so they were mm. saying these things at mm. his funeral so when I come to the fruition of me in my career and I'm a I have a way with words mm. <laughs> and with song I just put it all on me and my life experience but there was something there that yes. was that was given to me yes as yeah. well I, I I I haven't read the science as to if poetic ability mm. can be given by way of, by yeah. way of DNA but yeah it, it, I wonder I guess it must do. Yeah. I guess it must do. Yeah. But then also, like you say, it can skip generations. It can jump. It can... My mother would tell me that my grandfather, her father, he was a blacksmith. They're from Barbados. My mother's family from Barbados. And uh, he did a few things, but he had a, he had a, um, a workshop at the back of the house. Mm -hmm. And she would say that very occasionally, and it would be on like New Year's night, when everyone would be hanging out and chilling out. When, when midnight struck, he would beat the anvil 
beat out rhythms on the anvil. Wow. And she said you could hear it from all over, you know, all over the, um, the neighborhood. Um, and that's what he would, you know, people do kind of, people do these things. But when I, when I started to want to play the drums, that's when she told me that when I was at school. Wow. And I came home one day and said, at school, they've, they've got this thing for about lessons, for drum, drum lessons. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be able to play the drums. Yeah. And then after a while she said, yeah, yeah, your, your grandfather used to, you know, used to be into all of that. So you never know how things, where things, like you say that word fruition, yeah. things sometimes come to a head yeah. in you, for instance. Yeah. That might have been on either side of your family, yeah. just sitting there, way of words, yeah. a way of. It's interesting how it works, but I'm convinced it does work. Yeah, yeah. it's true. You 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 are what what your uh, parents and your ancestors have mm-hmm. been. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, just the imagery of that <laughs> of blacksmith beating out rhythms on the anvil. That's that feels like the beginning of a great theater piece. You yeah. know. You know, yeah. so when you when you write that piece, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, you said it, yeah. Don't forget about that. Sounds amazing, yeah. But um, so your your heritage is is the people from Barbados, yeah, and, and Zimbabwe. My father's side from Zimbabwe. Okay, so similar to you, I didn't know my my father died when I was a few months old. Okay, so there was me and my twin sister. We were a few months old, and there's another sister who was a year and a half older, and then an elder sister who was five years. So there was the four of us, and okay. then our mum. Oh. So, like many of our mums, she said, okay, Lord, what am I going to do? Okay, right. over to you. <laughs> Go to work. Yeah. And she worked as a nurse, and it was just the five of us. Okay, my mother um, was, a, was a nurse as well. Okay. Yeah. Among other things. Yes, yeah. I know she was a preacher, right? Yeah. She was, yeah, uh-huh. a minister. And yeah, that was, that was the journey. Okay, let's go. So I knew my mother's side of the family more than my father's side uh-huh. from Barbados. A lot of them came over here. She had eight siblings, so a lot of them came over here. So I knew that side of the family more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but interestingly, as you say, like often it's a case of maybe people's opportunities, the, the opportunities they have. If I look at my family, I think there were lots of storytellers as well. Because mm-hmm. people ask me the question, where, do, where did acting coming from? Where, yeah. where did it come from? And I kind of think the same as you. I'm like, oh, I don't really know. But then actually, the more I look and think about it, yeah. I think my grandmother was an incredible storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, not not mm-hmm. not. See, this is the not thing. Not professionally. We, this is, that's what I'm saying. Yes, this is the thing. It's yeah. like sometimes we put we put so much profession and education on top of it mm. that we we forget about this. Yeah. Person was a, was a natural who did it for 50 years yes. for every Christmas dinner yes. for every. You yes. What I'm yeah. Saying? Yeah. 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 You know, in an, in another world, perhaps they would have been a singer, or performer, yeah. but and uh, that's maybe where that word fruition comes where we are in a situation where it's like, okay, this can happen now. Yeah. Whereas perhaps previous generations, like my mother, again, my mother, when I was playing the piano, she said she always wanted to play the piano. She yeah. loved to be able to play the piano, but she was one of eight. She was the penultimate of eight. Yeah. So she, you know, they couldn't, piano, no. Nah, you, you couldn't afford <laughs> piano lessons back in the day or let alone a piano. So we had a piano. Someone was, uh, you know how, in the papers, people are getting rid of stuff from moving out of the house or yeah. something. Someone, there was a piano. And so someone was getting rid of a piano, an upright piano. That came into the house. And, yeah. and, and there it was. My mother said, okay, right, there's a piano. Right. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, how do, what? So she said, okay, well, I'll hum something and then you, you pick it out. 
<laughs> that was all her thinking was. So she, and I remember she, she sang this song that she said, okay, you know Matilda? Do you know Matilda? You know her parents do? Do you know that? I'm like, of course I don't. <laughs> Matilda. <laughs> so she said, okay, yeah, you know Matilda. She started singing, humming this tune. <laughs> and, uh, and then I tried to pick it out, the melody out. And yeah. I did, I could pick it out. Okay. And uh, that was the first thing that I ever, I ever learned on the piano. And then it wasn't until years later. It, it was Matilda. It was um, Harry Belafonte. Okay. Matilda. And it was this little melody. And I only found out that years later that it was one of his songs. I had an album of his. Yeah. I heard the song. I was like, I remember that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, bloody song. Yeah. Ooh. Just write that down for me, please. Yeah. You just sparked something. If that's all right, I can take that. It's on one of his live albums. I mean, I guess it was one of his big hits. But he has this... He does a live performance where he gets the audience to sing. It's a beautiful little melody. Yeah. So it was, it was things like that. My mother had wanted to, she liked singing and she had a good ear and, and she just, the opportunity was not there for her to do that. Yeah. So like many parents, they give the opportunities that they couldn't have to their children. Mm-hmm. So I think about it. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's funny. You saying that I'm, I'm trying to, you know, in the absence of my, do you have any children? No. In the absence of of, of my father, mm. I find myself trying to. In the time that I have home, now I'm traveling. You know, my career basically started in the strongest way, just as he was being born, my son. And when mm. I am home, I'm trying to be, you know, the father that my, you know, that my father wasn't. You know, mm. so I'm. Buying fishing rods and yeah. and and way too many balls of every kind. Yeah, yeah. Toys, soccer, toys, toys. tennis, just to see. Okay, throw that one at him. Yeah, throw this one at him and see see what. what yeah, what, you know, just all of the things that I felt that I missed. I'm trying to. I have to be careful because I I can probably be too intense with it instead mm. of just having relaxed time. Yeah, maybe sitting back reading a book. Yeah. It's like, try this, try that, try that. Ooh, and I wanted to do this. Oh, oh, let's go crab fishing, you know? Yeah, yes, yes. But does he get to travel? He gets to travel with you, does he? He, he gets to travel with, with me at, at times. He's been to 16, 17 countries. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing to have that yeah. experience. Yeah, that's, that's, that he, that's, he's got that now. That that's, he can, that's awesome. I just want him to know, bam, I'm right here. Daddy's yeah. right here. Yeah. Even if I'm far away, I got your back, mm. you know? Yeah. Which is, I've always, you know, without my father, I had my older brothers, and mm-hmm. my mother was so grounded and strong, strong enough for two mm. or even three parents. Yes. But, you know, you, you, sometimes you're floating without that, that yeah. male figure. Yes. You know, it's, it's just backup and grounded. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, just as you were talking, I, you know, whatever the lack is in the parent's life, they try to give it to their child. Yeah. So I find myself doing that quite a bit. Yes. So, was there singing in the house? Was there a lot of music in the house? Um, my mother loved music. She loved music. So there was always a radio on. And she had a really good voice. She, like I say, she was a nurse, so she went out and worked every day. Yeah. But she was always singing. Yeah. Like all of our mothers, when she was plaiting my sister's hair, she'd be singing. Yeah. When she was doing the garden, she'd be singing. When she was yeah. washing dishes, ironing, she'd be singing. All the time she'd be singing, cooking the food, singing. <laughs> and she was church. My mother was church. So she, and in the best way, in the most joyful, yeah. open way. So she would, 
as we were going to the park or whether she's taking us, she'd be singing, you know, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Yeah. And all those old songs. Yeah. Trust yeah. and Obey and Blessed Assurance, all yeah. those songs. And wow. so I, I can hear, I, I think yeah. she can hear it. Yeah. yeah. We grew up hearing all of that. Yeah. To the point where, as I'm sure like you, you get to a point where you're an adult, you don't even have to think about what the words are. You just know them. Yeah. You just heard all of that stuff. Blessed Assurance. Jesus, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, wow. all of that. And that. That comes from, yeah, that comes you from. You just hear that stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's there. And actually, again, as you get older, it's, it's a kind of, you appreciate the strength of all of that. It's not yeah. just songs. It's not yeah. just music. Yeah. There's a strength to it. And there's, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a leaning on, there's a message to it. Yeah. So we had all of that, but then she loved, my mum loved all kinds of music, as long as there was a good melody. Uh-huh. And she liked this radio station where they played old hits from the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. <laughs> so you had all of this stuff, all of this stuff going on. And as long as there was a good melody, she could, if she couldn't remember the lyric, she'd know the melody. Right, right. So now when I'm older, I think, she, boy, she had a good ear. Yeah. She had a really good, like I say, in another world, she didn't ever she wouldn't sort of presentationally sing at, at, at parties or whatever, uh-huh. just as she was going about the house, like yeah. most people. Yeah. But w- when I think back, I think actually she had a really good sensibility to all of that stuff. Yeah. So there was always music. Yeah, yeah. My sisters were not particularly fussed, but <laughs> but I, I, when I became, you know, um, slightly older and liked music and got into music, I would go through all of her old records. She had all the old Motown stuff, all the Atlantic stuff. Yeah. She loved Gladys Knight. She loved Aretha Franklin. She loved Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. All of those, good, you know, all those classics. Stuff. Yeah. Marvin Gaye she loved. And then my father, he liked more eclectic stuff. So he came here in the 60s from Zimbabwe to study as a student. So he came in sort of the late 60s. So he liked like Beatles stuff and uh-huh. Rolling Stones and classical stuff. Interesting. And um, he was kind of an Anglophile. So he right. he liked, you know, stretching his horizons and stuff. So between them, they had this great collection of music yeah. that, um, you know, I just raided all of that stuff. And like all of us, <laughs> that's what you do. You go and you go, wow, they've got, you know, Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones. I'm going to play that. And, you know, let's get it on, Marvin Gaye. Great. Well, sometimes you don't know how cool your parents yes. are until, yes. until a later time. Until you go, boy, you've got all of that stuff. <laughs> so I, I just had, I just stole all of that. Yeah. And we just, <laughs> I just listened to it and listened to it. Yeah. Um, so it was there. What was the first, how should we say, okay, you, you, you studied theater. Yeah. But what was the, did, did you, did you fall out of? acting school and right into a job or was what was the first little piece okay. of thing that happened um, pretty much yeah I did awesome I, I, um, I went to a pretty good drama school it was a very good drama school you have like RADA and there's a couple of others and then you have my school Mountie which is a really good school mm-hmm. solid school and uh, I left there and then went to the National Theatre mm-hmm. and they were doing a big season of six plays with a big ensemble of 50 actors and some of them were like there were some Shakespeare plays in there and there were some musicals in there so they were kind of looking for people who could do all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so, so it was like a repertory kind yeah of a, exactly yeah. for a year which they never they don't really do anymore but they, they formed this company for that year so I went into that and it was cool it was really really good because you had these amazing actors in, in the company 
you're doing all these different plays, you get to go in every day and rehearse the play. And then when that play's performing, you get to rehearse the next play. Yeah. So it was a really good yeah. um, apprenticeship. Right, work in your craft. Yeah, sure. and I was like 21, 22. So mm. just being there and soaking all that up was was great. This was everything from Shakespeare, from Shakespeare to- Yeah, yeah, there was, there was, the musical that we did was Candide, Leonard Bernstein. So again, that was amazing to just, I didn't know, I didn't really know Leonard Bernstein, yeah. but to hear that music, and it was, Candide is like his love letter to European classic music. Yeah. So you've got all of it in there, and each song he's playing with a different composer in a way. Uh, so you really get really classy, classy, brilliantly beautiful written stuff. Yeah. And to hear that night after night really gave me a musical education, which I hadn't had. Okay. So there was lots of stuff in there. There was a, there was a play by an American writer called Rita Dove, who was poet laureate in America for a while. I think she was the first black poet laureate America has had. And she wrote this play called The Darker Face of the Earth, which was kind of the Oedipus story set on a, um, a plantation in the South. Okay. She sort of updated it. And we did that. And again, as a, as a poet, her work on that and her use of words and her the musicality of the words and the language and the imagery was again. So there were all these different things that you got to work on. Yeah. That make you a better. Yeah. Just watching. Make you know. a better person. Yeah. Theater makes you better. Yeah. The idea of stepping into someone else's persona, uh, the empathy mm. that it, that it can give looking at other characters, understanding people's motivation. Yeah. It can make you a better person. People always talk about how, screwed up actors <laughs> yeah yeah but i like to think <laughs> well you're, you're learning stuff aren't you and you're 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 yeah. stretching yourself i mean it's the same with music in a way where or is it i'd ask you that that um you know when you're when you pick up a song that's from you know the 20s or something yeah and you sort of get into that song and you learn a bit more about how it was written and what yeah was going on at the time yeah. and stuff, because all of that stuff comes from the period that it's written in. Yeah. So you're learning stuff all the time, I find, about... All the time, when you, when you pick up a piece of material, you, mm. you, you put on the cloak yeah. Of, yeah. Of, uh, of the song or, or the character. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you talk about this piece that took place on a plantation. So yeah. in, this, in your early, earliest um, uh, work, so you were able to work with, Black actors, other yeah, black actors. Yeah, so yeah. There, there was this company, was it a particularly black company? Or Do you know it? what? It was brilliant. because This is 1999, and um, it was 50 actors, and half the company was black and half the company was white, which, wow. is, which is incredible at the time. So the main great. thing, that, wow. that the first show that we did, with, the first play was Troilus and Cressida, a Shakespeare play, which was hardly ever done, really. It's done a bit more now, but for a long time, for hundreds of years, it was never really done. Um, it's quite a tricky play. It's set in the Trojan War, and it's the Trojans versus the Greeks. So... The, the director, Trevor Nunn, who was, di who was director of the whole theatre at the time, he cast it. The Trojans were black actors and the Greeks were white, mm. which in a way, which is, which is very clear for the audience, who's who, because there's a huge company yeah. and there's lots of back and forth and scenes and stuff. It can be kind of confusing. Hey, hey who's that? Who's that? Side? Right, right. So it's very, very clear who yeah. was who. Was who. Uh -huh. um, that was the first gig that I did. And you had an incredible black actors that you're working with. Yeah. People like Oscar James, who was really one of the first actors here who got his company together and got um, funding from the Arts Council and to put this black company together. He was in that, um, he was in that generation. Then through to 
Sophie Okaneda, who's now gone on to be an extraordinary successful actress, Oscar-nominated movies and all of that, she was Cressida at the time. So you had all of these brilliant actors, black and white, every, yeah. you know, everyone. It was great. So, yeah, for me, it was like, that was just, I thought that was the norm right. until I left. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, where is everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I thought, okay, it's not always like that. But mm. in a way, for me, it was good. And maybe thinking about it, that's kind of formed my perspective on it is that that's kind of how it should be really I, mm-hmm. you know I, don't, I never really want to go into a room and be the only black person in there uh-huh. the only person of colour in there yeah um, and you find that happens a lot uh-huh. I'm sure you're the same you kind of think oh, hang on in a similar way like again talking about stretching when I I did um, a show about the Rat Pack and Sammy Davis mm-hmm. Jr and all of that and learning about Sammy and you know him going walking into all of these venues and going, where are the, where are the black musicians? I want black musicians in this band. Yeah. When I, you know, and being aware of being able to make that kind of change. Yeah. It's not always easy, but I was fortunate, I guess, in the sense that I knew, I had a good start and I knew what was possible yeah. in a way. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was I, really, really cool. I think you're talking about yourself and what you said about Sammy Davis yeah. Jr. I think it's, both of you having the a couple of things, the desire for, I'll go back to empathy because, you know, if, if, if you got there and you feel confident about your skills, you know that there's somebody else out there mm. who's confident about their skills and it's qualified. Yes. You know, this idea of not, nobody wants a, a quota, but, but we want representation. Yeah. And I think that's probably what Sammy wanted as, as well. He, he, he wanted to see, people who are in the same boat as him at one point in his career yeah. have the opportunity yeah. not to be put in a position as a drummer and, and not be qualified to do the work. That's not it. Yeah. Qualified yeah. to do the work, but allowed the opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, yes. and I see it. That's something that you're, you're, you're still doing. You talk about having a feeling once you left this company having a, a, a desire to, to have there be more diversity in, in, in your yeah. field. There's something that you're, that you're working on. And, yeah, and talking always, about. always. That's just life, really. Do you know what I mean? It's the same in the profession as outside of the profession. It's like when you're walking through the street, you, especially if you know, if you're aware of what has come before you, then you're aware that you are part of something and it's not just about you. Actually, someone else has made it possible for you or I to be sat here now. Yeah. And therefore, once you're aware of that, I remember being at the being at the national in that company, and some of the older actors talking about, boy, you know, they were in this in the in the seventies, and they were in these theatre companies around the country, and they were looking at um, white actors playing Othello in their companies, mm-hmm. and them saying, "Listen, please, with all due respect, we we would like to have the opportunity to play these things," and then not in a dramatic way, but just sort of, they realised, you know, the calls stopped coming and the work stopped coming for them. And I remember this one actor, brilliant actor, saying he didn't work for seven years after that. After protesting. After protesting. Uh And it wasn't like he was fired or something, but it just very quietly sort of just dried up. Yeah. And yet now, 
it wouldn't be possible for a white actor to black up and play Othello, <laughs> play Othello mm-hmm. regardless of whatever you kind of think about that. But, but in a way, so that's the change that happens. Yeah. So much you're aware of that, that someone else has done the work in order for us to be here. Right. Then you kind of go, okay, well, what's my bit role. of that puzzle? What's yeah. my role? Yeah. yeah. You have to do what you can do. That's the other thing. Sometimes just being present, I think. Mm-hmm. If I can stand on stage and uh, a young person who's starting out can kind of go, oh, wow, okay. He, he's okay. Maybe I can try that. Maybe I can do that. Then maybe that's enough. Or you might need to really sort of put your put your money where your mouth is and go and, and change some laws and change some legislation and change some rules and stuff. Um, I think everyone can do a different thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do, but as long as you contribute something. Yeah. I. I. I but do you not? Do you feel? Do you feel that? In my mm. well, I, I jumped around in careers, and so you know both in music and in theater and sport too when you and do sport, sport at some point. yeah yeah there's a thing there's a thing that that can happen in in music and it's not a it's not a malicious thing uh, but it's it's just a thing that happens by way of camaraderie there's a thing that happens in in college people who can afford to go to college and 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 study for the the jazz courses yeah and then the thing that happens after college people Tend, they'll they'll tend to play with their friends, and before you know it, there was this thing that was happening in the city where I was in at a particular time. Like the the jazz community had had, had become almost essentially all all white, and people were just playing with their friends. It wasn't a malicious thing mm. that they were keeping black yeah no, musicians yes. out. Yeah. I don't believe. No, I think it was just a thing. They graduated from college and they were calling their buddies yeah. to play. Yeah, and it just happened to not be any of the black musicians who yeah. were in, that were in town. And, and it became a thing, and mm. it was talked about, and, 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 and people just started to consciously, you know, break that, that yeah. wall yeah. And, and come out of their, their comfort zone and talk about the roots of the music more and, and, yes. and, and commune. Yes. That's the thing that just has to happen. It has to be dialogue and, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the mix. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But you, you had a, an opportunity to also do something with, uh, about it. You, you, you curated and directed a season at London's National Theater yeah. called Walk <clears throat> Into the light about yeah. black actors contributing to the British theater. Yeah, and that came directly from that experience I had at the National Theatre with those older actors, uh-huh. because I knew that there. I'd started at the National, and I was really passionate about the National Theatre, and mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a sort of geek about 
theatre history and stuff. So I was really passionate about it. I knew the 50th anniversary was coming up and I got on very well, quite well, with the, uh, the current artistic director at the time. And I just wrote to him and said, I know the 50th is coming up. Please don't forget the actors of colour. Please, just... And because uh, I knew them. Yeah. And I knew the contribution that they'd made. And as you say... Those kind of things can happen really without thinking about it. Yeah, and he may not, it, 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 yeah. it just didn't occur to him. Yeah, so that was me thinking, just a reminder, right. just a case. Because, you know, yeah. And he said, okay, brilliant. What idea have you got? So I said, well, I didn't really have an idea, but, you know, these are the kind of um, performances and companies and these are the people and the figures who've done stuff. And before I knew it, I was kind of putting together this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they gave a space. I contacted all the uh, actors I knew, and we had a series of like a week of platform in conversations, very much like this with an audience. And um, various figures, actors, artistic directors, writers would come and speak during the course of the week. And at the end, there was like a performance where there was, uh, we sort of went through the last 50 years of great writers and and moments and music. And so it was a good moment for everyone to kind of get together. Yeah. People dug it. It was uh, and show appreciation for yeah. for the contribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was cool. And again, you know, if you if you can get younger people in who are starting out and saying, "Look, this has happened before you. These are our stories. We've we've come here, <laughs> and we found ourselves in London in the '60s. These are our stories, but we're not really hearing them told. So we're going to get together and have a little lunchtime theatre and put it together in in uh, Notting Hill or wherever it is and put it together. And they, you know, that generation got their shit together. Yeah. And they did stuff. Yeah. And then they got money and they got, the, you know, and we know them now from little bits that they've done on television. Yeah. When we were growing up. But I'm like, do you know that they had a company they put together yeah. and they wrote all this stuff and they yeah. kind of. So once you know that, I think it just strengthens people. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, because as you say, it's, no one wants to kind of, well, th- th- there is a time for marching and fighting. And there's also, I think, a way of kind of just encouraging people to kind of go, what's your story? What's your thing? What's your contribution? Yeah. Um, I think there's, you know, both needs to happen, but I always kind of like going encouraging. Yeah. And, and kind of, because out there is going to be someone like Lin-Manuel Miranda who put Hamilton together, who goes, right, this is my idea. Uh-huh. Or, you know, this is my music that I want to write. And and I think that's really important. Because when those things happen, then the the mainstream always catches up. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, what's going on over there? That's that's selling, that's taken off. Mm-hmm. And then that that in that way, you can kind of affect change, I think. Um, again, that becomes a whole thing about cultural appropriation and all of that, but encouraging people to express themselves, their own voice and their own story, I think is really, that. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. In your role, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. In, in, the, in the Rat Pack. As I look at you, I see Sammy's chin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. People say that. People do say that. People do say that. Um, I've, I do have both of my eyes though, so that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I never really saw well, it. We can joke about that because he joked about it. He a joked lot. about it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he joked about it. It was it was just a joy, you know, that music, those arrangements, and like Frank and some of Sammy's stuff is Quincy Jones arrangements. So you listen to those every night and you and talk about an education. Listening to Frank's Frank's arrangement of Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah. 
and I'd listen to that every night and that, and just to hear what he did yeah. what Quincy Jones is doing with that yeah. with the brass like, to hear it live yeah, yeah. and go okay I can, see what he's, I can hear what he's doing with the brass and then the saxophone's here and playing with the rhythms of what they're doing to me that was a real education so mm. I loved in a way and you know this might sound silly but if you've got Shakespeare you've got an incredible writer who knows at the top of it and if you've if you've got Rat Pack stuff you've got you know Quincy Jones you've got Count Basie arrangements you've got whoever did for Frank and yeah, probably um, Nelson Riddle Nelson Riddle all those guys incredible arrangements yeah do you do any do you do any of that do you do any Sammy stuff uh, or any of the things that he's I guess it's all American songbook so it's sort of yeah everyone's done something yeah yeah um, he he's in terms of like being one of my influences, people always say they hear him coming out in some of my utterances, um, particularly in the higher part of my voice. Uh, he's definitely an influence between, you know, on, on more so on the side of the influence that would be with Nat King Cole. Yeah. Nat is a strong influence. But then there's that soul side that may be Bill Withers and Donny Hathaway. <sighs> You understand? So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I try to be this this healthy place in between yeah. of of soul and and I hate sometimes I hate the word refinement, soul and refinement. But yeah, there I used it there. Yeah, the word. But the thing about you, which I really really love, is the fact that as I've asked that question, I think you are you, and in a way, which is it's it's like when people say. Um, you know, we talk about refinements of labels and things. Yeah. And people put labels on stuff. You kind of, that's why it's so cringy because yeah. it's like, yes, it's jazz, but yes, it's also blues and yes, it's gospel. And actually, yeah. if when I hear you, I'm like, yeah, there's all of that. Yeah. There's Nat King Cole, yeah. and, but there's also Big Joe Turner, but there's also yeah. Donny Hathaway, <laughs> but there's also James Cleveland, but there's also <laughs> Ray Charles, you know, and all of that, right. all right. of that stuff. Right. And yet it's just you. It's yeah. completely you. It's not, it's not those other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, hear, I hear what you say about trying to kind of be somewhere in, in a unique space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a tricky thing to do, I guess. But Yeah, well, you know, you know the, the, I think of the lyrics of, of my song, uh, Painted on Canvas, mm. were, were made by the pigment of paint that is put upon. Our stories are told by our hues. So, so the things that we've picked up and, and, and been put on us or, or that we've listened to or that we've watched, uh, this influence, you know, mm. sometimes we may not, may not even understand it at the time. Might not even like it. Yeah. It was a thing. Yeah. This is, this is, this is I'm going to tell you about my, uh, how I, I got into theater, in particular the theater piece that, that took me to Broadway. It was... Uh, a show called It Ain't Nothing But The Blues, mm. which was the progression of music in America from uh, really starting from from uh, African music and going into the blues and spirituals and, and, and finding its way to uh, rock and roll and electrified blues and R&B. But as a child in, in Bakersfield, California, I, many, many hot, Sundays and Thursday nights and Wednesday night services singing with these old men. And at eight years old, nine years old, 
going to a service that had no kids. The church was hot. The preacher was long-winded. Hmm. And I'm singing with these, you know, with an 80-year-old man over here, 70-year-old, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's a the, the mother on the piano. Yeah. She plays the same chords for every song. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But this is what I didn't understand. She was playing some music that is a thousand years old. It's a hundred years old, really, but rhythmically it's over, it's a thousand years old. Mm. She's playing country gospel blues, which is, the blues repeats itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm singing with an 80-year-old man who's singing songs from his childhood in 1980. Mm-hmm. And he got that music from who? Yeah, exactly. Some exactly. people before that. Mm. So we're singing, we're singing some Negro spirituals and some some songs of of black people who were slaves or who just got out of slavery. So was, I had this interesting steeping in this music. I had this interesting little university course that I didn't know I was in yeah. at eight and nine. So when I go into the audition and they said, well, this show is going to deal with, I mean, you have to have this sound, this, this, this gospel blues thing. You have to have this sound. And I didn't really know what they were talking about. It was like, <laughs> and you know, you, you, it's something that is, 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 we're going to have to work with you for weeks and weeks. You know, and I was like, hmm, okay. I don't really know what they're talking about. And I was like, what do you have to audition with? That's, that's like, you know, that's, Negroid. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was like, well, this old song that my my uh, my grandfather used to mumble, but it wasn't really a song. He was just when we were doing something bad, he would say, "Children, your line is dragging. Pick up the slack and and hew to the line." You know. And I was like, so let me. So I I went out of the audition. Can I, I said, can I have just a moment to get myself together? You know, they gave me ten minutes, and I came back. I went outside and took that little thing and made it into a song, stomping. Children, your line is dragging. Mm. Children, your line is dragging. Mm. Children, your line is dragging. Pick up the slack and hew to the line. So I go in and do that, and they're like, you know, what was that? And I was like, well, that's like, you know, so it comes from a thing my grandfather used to do. But that's how we used to sing. That's how I was singing when I was eight. Yes. And they were like, they gave me the job on the spot. Mm. It's like, they, they, first of all, you're hired. Second, can we have that song? And can exactly. we put it into the show? Exactly. And I was like, hmm. That's like, initially I said, yes. But then, you know, I was like, wait a minute. There should be some royalties there, shouldn't yeah. there? <laughs> yes. We figured that stuff out yeah, later. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I forget what the, the, the beginning of, of me bringing up that point was. That was the spark that, yeah. that, that got me into, into theater. And, and man, what a, what a world. I had done theater in, in high school. My brother studied at ACT in San Francisco, um, a very great uh, acting school. And he has a... A, a master's in in theater art, but myself, theater was just an enjoyable thing that that you know we did with my mother. Uh, we did it in church. We 
I did it in high school. Uh, and a, we had a small black theater group in college. But we maybe we did four or five different productions. Nothing, mm. nothing steady, steady and consistent. You know, I, I was fresh out of college, and I was like, I don't, you know, what am I going to do? You know, when, you know, and bam, this audition came to town. I used something from my foundation, and I found myself in a, in a, in a theater piece, and, and and that led to other things. But mm. but man, what a what a world! Yeah, what a world! What a world! And yeah. and it was so beautiful that uh, if you talk about the older actors who had you know, uh, paved away. It's funny, you know, you get to meet those people. And, yeah. and we talked about Harry Belafonte. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and Harry Belafonte came to the uh, show and, uh, and uh, Ben Vereen. And, wow, and, and wow. you know, it just kept, it just kept coming. And then you found yourself in this, in this yeah. interesting family or, how should we say, yeah, continuum in a mm. way. Because I guess it's, I guess it's really what we're talking about is like a kind of reaching for an authenticity. If you when you go into that room and they're saying, "Sing a song," well, you could sing anything, but but you are moved to say, "Okay, what do I know? What yeah. is what is authentic to me, my yeah. experience?" And who knows where your grandfather got that from? Yeah, yeah. That would have been a story, I'm sure. Yeah. If you could ask him, where, where, where did you get his grandfather? Let me tell you, my mother, there was 14 of them. Yeah. And he had a thing. There was 14 brothers and sisters. of, of and, and he had a thing, and it's, it's totally wrong, and probably on the, on, teetering on abuse. No, it wasn't teetering on it. It was. Uh, if, if one of y'all did something, Everyone got it. Everybody got okay. punished. Yeah. One of the older ones did something. Mm-hmm. The younger ones were punished. Yeah. It was, it was, so he had this, it was. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. This very difficult uh, kind of upbringing she had with him. It's probably some, he had a tough life. Mm. And, and that tough life found its way uh, into how he raised his kids. But, so, this is what he said. This was a song of terror. This is what he sang before he commenced to beating all of his children who were in the house at this particular time. And so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's... Uh, <laughs> and then at the same time, that you don't know at the time where that road leads to. That road leads to him going into that room with you mm-hmm. in front of those people yeah. and those people recognising that thing, where, yeah. where the, regardless of whether the negative connotation or the positive connotation, yeah. in that moment... It's a it's a real authentic thing, it's an and then thing. that translates to a thousand people every night seeing it on Broadway. Yeah, that that would be that's yeah. extraordinary. It was. I do believe that we really carry our ancestors and the people that came before us with us. That, that whether whether it's a kind of spirit or essence of something, you know, I believe that. I remember hearing um, Maya Angelou talking about that, and she was saying that when she goes on stage, whenever she has to go and speak, give a lecture, do give a recital, she says, okay, come on, come, come with me. <laughs> Everyone who's ever meant anything to me or helped me or my, come on, let's go, I need yeah. you now. And she takes all of them with her. Yeah. I found that really moving and really useful to think, actually, yes, we are 
you know, we aren't alone. <laughs> if, if we are doing something which, as you say, is draw, draws on something authentic and real and felt and meant, then it all comes from somewhere. Without question. What, whatever was that first record that you listened of me, and you said, this is the real thing, mm. you heard my mother. Mm. You know, yes, you, yes. you heard, if you heard yes. water... I've been searching all, you know, if you, if you, if you, if <laughs> that's it, that's it. If you heard, if you heard water pouring down the sidewalk, cleaning windows, clear to see, washing gumdrops down side gutters, rusting chains and cleansing me, greening gardens, drowning ants, changing rhythms, bruising plants, mm. gray and vistas, soulfully, and again, it's saving me. If you heard that, you heard a musical prayer that is, of which the essence is my mother's prayers and sermons. She would talk about water often, mm. renewing, mm. cleansing, greening, redeeming. And I, it, so, so, so in my thought of that, I'm thinking of her prayers and um, hmm. so if you heard the authenticity, she was one of the people that, was, that came along with me in the studio. Mm. And she comes along with me on stage every night. Yeah. She's, you know, I took from her sermon. Yeah. Just, I mean, these are, these are, as a little boy, just her constantly talking about water and, 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 its, and its desire to flow in the path of least resistance. That's what liquid spirit mm. is about. Unreroute the river. Yes. As the British say, unreroute. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we could, you know, we could go down that strain of conversation for, you know, for hours we yeah. could. But wow, really wonderful, really <laughs> wonderful uh, to talk to you, brother. I really, you, had too. A, you know, thank you for coming to Hang with me and enjoy a, a gin and tonic here yes. in London. Uh, it's been really wonderful going through just different aspects of, of your career. And may it continue and may you continue to, to humanize these characters uh, mm. and, uh, and even, you know, your music thing. Let, let, that, let that flourish as well. And, and uh, much success to you. And thank you so much for, for, for hanging. Likewise. Yeah. Likewise. Wonderful. Appreciate it. So there it is. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang. Don't forget, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or the podcast thingamajig of your choice. Click that subscribe button. Go on. That's it. <laughs> Never miss out on an invitation to hang. Clap your hands now. I'm Greg Reporter, and this has been The Hang, a cup and nuzzle production.